sang a little louder. Or maybe we don't want them to. I don't know. We appreciate them anyway. Some announcements. You may be seated if you want to. Some announcements this morning. The annual church business meeting is Monday, January the 11th at 7.30 p.m. That's uh, the annual church business meeting. There will be some trustees elected. There will be some other business discussed, reports, yearly reports, and Sunday school missionary department as well as the general fund and all of this. So we invite you to attend. Also, we're going to ask this Sunday alone is all if you have picked up your 1988 building fund pledge sheet or not, and if you picked it up, have you turned it in? We still need approximately $65 more a month in order to meet our monthly payment. So some uh, have not given, others maybe cannot, uh, others are not going to, but we're going to leave that with you and leave it with God. Just a, remember, just a remembrance, a reminder to you that we still need that in order to make the monthly payments. Also, for the time being, again, of Sunday school teachers, if you're here, if you can't for some reason fulfill your post of duty at any time, if you're sick or going to be out of town or some reason, why, just notify me until we kind of get the mind of the Lord in which direction to go. God is good this morning. Haggai number one, chapter one. Uh, I think I'm just going to read to expedite time this morning the 18th verse of chapter 2. Chapter 1 is going to be involved in this because it's the beginning of it. But it simply says, Consider now from this day and upward, from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it, is the seed yet in the barn? Yea, as yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree hath not brought forth from this day, will I bless you? And the question, of course, that's asked, that's the fourth question in this small book of Haggai that it asked. All of them are pertinent, but I only want to deal with at least two of them this morning. Uh, is the seed yet in the barn? And then is it time for you, O ye, to is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie waste? We have, of course, here a prophet to the remnant of Israel that had come after seventy years of captivity for the explicit purpose of building the temple of God again and giving individuals a place to worship and a place to come. And this was allowed them by Cyrus and Zerubbabel and all of those. And so they have came. And they didn't, they didn't find exactly what they expected to find. They thought when they came they would be free. They remembered the temple as it was and perhaps uh, wasn't ready for the rubble and the destruction and the land that lay waste. That they saw and after a while they laid the foundation of the temple and foundation of the walls and then they begin to grow weary begin to grow tired and naturally this is a good lesson for us when we grow weary of doing something for God when we grow weary of trans uh, moving in our duties to God then immediately we transfer all that energy to ourselves you find in here this is exactly what they did they begin to build their own houses and 
begin to focus their attention upon their own lives and their own things, and for the purpose they were there for, they wasn't fulfilling that, and then came the voice, booming voice of Haggai the prophet, and said, it's time for you to consider your ways. It's time for you, is it time, he asked a question, for you to dwell in your sealed houses, and the house of God lie waste. Then he begins to point out to them some of the things that we can almost identify with in our day and hour. Tells them that you've sown much and you brought in little. Tells them that you eat but you don't have enough. Tells them that you drink but you're not filled with drink. And you clothe ye but there's none warm. And he that earneth wages earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes in it. I thought if that wasn't identical to our day and hour... Seems like the more we sow or the more we put out, the less we get for it. And it seems like uh, the more uh, we get to eat, there's not enough. And the last one especially, that you just earn wages and you make money and you just put it in a bag and you don't know where it went. I mean, we're probably making more money than we've ever made in our life, some of us are, and yet there doesn't seem to be any money. Now, we can blame this on society. We can blame it on so many different things. But Haggai is calling the attention of these remnants of Israel to consider, first of all, their ways. Before they start blaming everybody else for their failures and for what is not happening in their land and what is happening in their land, that they might consider themselves and consider their ways. And he asked his last question in the 19th verse as he says, Is the seed yet in the barn? Now, of course, this is not that the seed was still in the field and it wasn't harvested, but this is the fact that the seed had never been taken from the granary and sown. Israel had become so preoccupied with their own things and I just read that to you in chapter 1, verse 1 to 6, that they had neglected God's house. They had neglected the duties that God had given them, which was to build the house of God and let that stand as a lighthouse to a lost and dying world. And because that required work, and because they looked and uh, the house of God lie waste and the land hadn't been plowed or cultivated or taken care of for 70 years it seemed like it was an insurmountable task and so they turned their attention upon building their own houses and making their own living and making the ground bring forth for them until the ground itself rebelled you know sometimes the ground rebels as well as anything else because it realized what was happening and the prophet Haggai says I want you to look and see and I want you to seek God's face I want you to ask yourself the question what is happening around you why is there no crop why is there no increase what is happening first of all don't blame the ground for it until you look in your granaries and see if you have actually taken the seed out and sown the seed you see, nothing can come up from the ground except seed be sown in it. And that was the fact that they had not sown seed. They had become so despondent, they had become so discouraged that they had turned their attention on other things and they had ceased to sow the seed. 
When they looked for a crop, they had none. Of course, this brings a condemning voice again of the prophet Haggai and says, how do you expect a crop of any kind if you don't sow the seed? As I was looking into that. I thought that applies to us as a church world spiritually more than we would care to admit. I realize we have struggled in a world that has been uncultivated for a long time and for the most part we as the church have not sown seed at least of late have not sown much and we have not got very much in return As i looked around sometimes i know that we are expecting a revival we need a revival but revival comes when seed is sown Revival comes when ground is recognized that it has been neglected and there's a whole world out here that's been neglected by God's people. While we get our little truck patches together and we plow them up and we raise enough to maybe satisfy our own needs and yet we neglect the world, the explicit purpose that we have set here for. And as of late it seems like we get very little return. And of course we blame society we blame divisions, we blame a lot of things. But I'm wondering as God spoke to my heart, maybe it would be good if we as individuals this morning and we as a church would ask ourselves the question and consider our own ways. Have we sown any seed? Have we went out and sown seed in the ground? I fear not because I feel like this morning that God's condemning voice comes down again and he asks us to look in our granaries, look in our storehouses where the word of God is stored up in our heart and stored up in our life. And time and time again it comes across on us and he asks us to search our granaries and see if the seed is still in there or if maybe we have went someplace and sown it. I realize that when we look out into the world, we see a world that is unplowed. We see a world that is in sin. We see a world that is filled with drug addicts and drunkards and, and dope addicts and immorality is everywhere and plagues and diseases is taking over the world. And when we look at that, as Israel did to that uncultivated ground, it seems as if it's an insurmountable task, insurmountable task as far as we are concerned. We look at ourselves, they looked at the small remnant that came, and they had been in charge of building that temple again. That had taken years to build before, and thousands have been cultivating the ground, getting it ready to bring forth some seed. And they looked at that and thought, it's an impossible task. We can't do it. So the best we can do in order for us to survive is to grow us a little truck patch here, trim us off a little place to live, build us a nice house, and be sure that we raise enough that we might be able to feed ourselves and the rest of the ground went uncultivated. And Haggai challenged them as he's challenging us, let's look at our storehouse. Let's look in our own life. Let's look in our church and see if the Word of God has left us. And see if it has landed upon the heart 
of anybody else. How long has it been? In other words, since we witnessed to an individual. How long has it been since we had fervent prayer in our life for intercession for an individual? How long has it been since we have unselfishly put our own desires aside and have sought for the soul's sake of somebody that's seeking in despair and swimming in a river and about ready to drown in it? Have we not, as Israel of old, cleaned our own little places, built our own houses, and forgotten the task that God has given to us as far as the world is concerned? I know it's true that according to the book of Matthew, when he talks about the sower and the seed, that all the seed we sow will not produce. I think sometimes that's disheartening to us. I think sometimes that's discouraging to us. I think most of us in our lifetime has been at times real zealous. I think we have caught the burden. I think we have gotten concerned. I think we have prayed. I think we have interceded. I think we have witnessed. And then all at once we don't see any, uh, any seed sprouting whatsoever. We don't see the results that we feel like that we ought to see. But you know something that God has challenged me with time and time again? If we will sow the seed, if we will be concerned, if we will get the ground caught and we will end the results, is lift up to our power higher than we are, which is Almighty God. It's up to Him to challenge mankind with the Word. I realize as I look at that, when we go out into this world and plow the ground and plow it deep, and we get it ready and we sow the seed... And uh, not all the seed comes up. In fact, the business is, when you really look at it, not a very great percent of it comes up. Because in spite of everything we can do, and we went over this before, there comes a time in Palestine that some of the ground is good and can be cultivated. Some of it is packed down, you can't reach it. Some of it is uh, patches of thorns that you can plow it up and it comes right back immediately. And the other part of it is good ground. And what you've got to do there, you can't do like you do here. You just go out and you sow the seeds. Some of us going to light on those hard places. They did their best to till it up, but the ground was too hard. Some of us going to light on those stony patches. They tried their best to clean them out, but they just grow back again. And some of them are just going to land there, and before they can take any root at all, the powers of hell come and destroy it. The fowls of the air, the Bible says. So when you look at this, you go out and sow the seed. You know that some of it is not going to come up. You know that some of it is going to land upon ground and before it takes any root at all, it don't even get a chance to sprout. And when you look at that, when you spend your time, and listen to me, saints, this morning, when you spend your time witnessing and sowing the seed of God in a life and do an enemy of the cross, along comes some individual that is against the power of God and snatches away any word that you might have sown in that individual and you look at that in discouragement and dismay and wonder, I've wasted my time sowing the seed, but really have you? And then, of course, some of it falls upon stony places, lays there just for a little while, and finally... It dies because its roots can't get down to where the depths of God's Word is. 
Thank you, there's a lot destroyed like that. And there again, saints of God, as a church, you have watched it, you'll probably watch it again, where you have introduced the Word of God individually as a church into life of individuals, and you watched them come to God. You knew they had an experience with God, and all at once they sprouted up a little bit, and then all at once they died. And then you look at them in dismay, and you wonder, have I wasted my time? I'm getting to something here that we need to hear. And in despondency and dismay, if we're not careful, we'll turn inward again. We'll turn to ourselves again. We'll ask ourselves, what is the use of sowing the seed of God? Nobody in this world cares about it. All we need to do is try to save ourselves from this untoward generation. Well, that is a duty of us. But our greatest duty is yet to sow the seed of God. And then you watch it, and you sow the seed. It becomes alive. It springs forth. It looks like it's going to produce. I mean, it really looks like it is. But then get us on. We plant us a little fruit and a little seed, and we come to the house of God, and we receive, and we try to build our own house. We forget that the house of God that should cover the world is lying waste. And that uncultivated ground out there that used to bring forth is lying waste. While we tend our little truck paths, while we take care of our own things, while we uh, rest securely in our own traditions, the house of God is lying waste. Some fell on stony ground, but in spite of it all, now you've got to notice this, that this was not the fault of the sower. This was the fault of the ground. This was the individual's fault who would not allow their life to be cultivated. You fact that you sowed the seed. The seed was good. God's word is always good. Amen. Anytime the seed is good. But the rats will get in and in the grain we it won't be any good if you just leave it there year after year. You put it there for the explicit purpose of sowing another crop. That's what it's for. That's what seed corn is for. Seed wheat is for. Or whatever else you plant. It's not to stay in your grain with. And for you to eat off of it, it is to be sown so you can harvest another crop. When we look at that, it's not your fault. It's not the seed's fault. Our failure is when we don't sow it. Our failure is when we don't realize that it is our duty to sow the seed. Some of it's going to be taken before it gets a chance to do anything. Others is going to land in hard places. You're going to have to realize that. And it is a discouraging thing. But in through all of this, the Bible lets us know that some of it, that some of it, I don't care who you are, how long you have been sowing, if you will sow, some of it is going to land on some good ground and there will be an increase. There's no increase without sowing. There's no seeing without preparing the seed. Some fell on good ground and produced fruit. Now I ask you a question. In this parable, what would have happened if nothing had been sowed? That's what he's challenging these individuals with, Haggai is. He's asking them, is it right for you to dwell in your sealed houses? That wasn't the purpose you came for. 
Is it right for you to just produce a little bit, become so discouraged that you won't do anything else? Is it right for you to leave the seed in the barn? Is that right? Can you expect a crop if you do that? Might I challenge us this morning that there will never be a crop as long as we look in our granary and store up the good seed which is the word of God and never make any effort to sow it wherever. We do our best to plow the ground, but we don't know where it's going to land. But we do know this one thing. The Bible tells us, Matthew 14, or 13, I believe it is, that some of it fell on good ground. The question you have to ask again is, what would have happened if you hadn't sown the seed? I think that's what's happening in churches all over the land today, is there's no seed sowing. We're too busy with our own life the seed in the barn many of us know what the word of God is you, you don't have to listen to me minister it but this is seed that's being sown that you can reach into your own Bible and realize and read it and this is seed this is the word of God Bible tells us the seed was the word of God and the earth was the place that we sow it so we have to ask ourselves the question this morning I think, I think we could consider it Ask ourselves the question, how long has it been since I have sown any seed? How long has it been since I have took an individual to prayer and I have stayed there? How long has it been since I have tried to introduce somebody to Jesus Christ? I realize perhaps a lot of us used to do that sometimes every day. And we just look and nobody's been one to God, seems like. And so we think, well, I'm making a fool of myself. Why keep sowing seed when nothing comes up? And of course, we watched it, and you watched it here in this church in your own life. You watched it as seed springs forth, and it looks good, and all at once it's gone. And you watched it as lives sometimes become so entangled where the cares of this life until individuals at one time vibrant with God's spirit power of God reality in their life and you watch them slowly become cold and unconcerned and you pray and the best you can do the thorns still come up and choke the life out of them the Bible says they become unfruitful didn't necessarily say it destroyed them just simply said that which it should produce it did not and no farmer likes to go out into his farm and into his cornfield and see a stalk there. That's good for a while. I mean, you're watching it grow and it's green, but after a while you expect to see an ear there. Same way with wheat or anything else you plant. It looks good for a while when there's no fruit on it, but there comes a time when you expect it. And there comes a time at maturity date that it's supposed to be there. And sometimes in our lives we've grown good. We've been fertilized well. The ground has been good to us. That ground there was just as good. The only thing is, it was infested with thorns. They grew faster than that individual could grow. That was their downfall. And this happens so many times. You find another place where a man in the same chapter told about a man that went out and sowed good seed. And he sowed it on good ground. There's a lot of churches in this situation. We hardly know what to do about it. But this individual sowed good seed, sowed on good ground. 
And while he slept, the Bible says, an enemy came in and sowed tares among his wheat. So he was perplexed. You know, here I have sown, I have tended that ground. I've taken care of it. I've plowed it. I spent my own labor and my own toil on this. And I've watered it and I've taken care of it. And it's good seed and it's good ground. Then all at once, there's some plant coming up that doesn't really look like when I plant it. And the devil comes along and sows tares among the wheat. And when the crop comes up, it's evident what was done. And this happens to us a lot of times. Happens to us as a church, and it happens to us as individuals. We find good soil. I mean, we're careful with it. We pray over it. We plow it. We take care of it. We introduce it to God, and we sow the seed of the Word of God, and we prepare it for seeding, and we sow good seed in it. It's good ground. We've labored and toiled over this. And then somebody else comes along after we've spent time and effort and labor on an individual and we've spent sleepless nights on their life and somebody else comes along, that wouldn't have given them the time of day in the life they was in when we saw them and when we prayed for them and when we worked for them. They wouldn't have spent any time in prayer and no anguish. They wouldn't have plowed around. They wouldn't have trimmed the weeds from you. They wouldn't have paid any attention to you in the condition you was in before. But individuals have loved. They've been concerned and they prayed and have sowed good seed and then somebody comes along after you prepared it and seeded it and all of this and then they sow their erroneous doctrines and seeds in it and they want you then, brother. I said they want you then. They didn't want you before. And you've got a world full of churches and individuals like that. Let somebody else labor. Let somebody else pray. Let somebody else pay the price. And once that individual is clean and look good, then we want him. And he takes that life, sows erroneous doctrines in it, gets us confused. And the first thing you know, you've got a crop coming up. Tears among the wheat. What do you do? <laughs> you look at it, my God, what do you do? And I've stood in pulpits and churches all over the land and pastored a lot of them and I've watched that very same thing happen. I wonder, God, how to meet this, what to do about this. First thing we want to do is just go and grab it and get it out of the good ground and good at, get it out of the good crop. The Bible tells us to be careful about that. It's enough for us to want... We need to plant a crop. The Bible tells us that there's some things that's so in ground and so rooted and so close to that which is good that man cannot do the separating except he tear up some good wheat while he's doing it. And he tells it to let it grow together. Because one of these times, the Bible says it's really going to identify itself. Now the farmer knows it. But the world that's unacquainted with farming don't know the difference. It looks so similar. And he don't know the difference. The farmer knows it. Immediately when it comes up, he can tell the difference between it. That the Bible tells us in that parable that one of these times when it comes and the wheat starts maturing, and that wheat's head bends over in its maturity. 
as a sign of humbleness. The tares stand straight and tall and obnoxious. And immediately it's identifiable. And God says, the angels. Now there's been some cases whether that's the ministry of the last days that's going to do that because they are translated angels so many places or whether that is the actual, actual angels of God. I'll leave that where it is, but I do know this. Sometimes there's not much you can do. I've had good, honest-hearted people come, not necessarily here because I've just been here a short time, but places where I spent a lot of time and looked at lives and said, Brother Hosko, you've got to do something about it. And yet I knew that individual's life was so entwined with the life of somebody else that if I should up. It is. If you got a passion that's worth his salt whatsoever, he's going to know that it's there. There may not be a whole lot at the time he can do about it, but he knows that it's there. And he knows what is happening. I've been around the block a few times. I've spent a lot of sleepless nights. I've been called out at midnight. I can think of one certain individual that I was called to the tavern. I don't know how many times to get that drunken individual out of the tavern, took him to my house, sobered him up, and prayed for him. And I thought he never was going to come to God. And finally one time he laid it all down and he came to God. And God filled him with the blessed power of the Holy Ghost. It wasn't very long after that till an individual fellow pastor, so to speak, looked at that individual, saw his talents, and decided he would like to have him, and he got him. I don't mind that so much other than it's despondent and it's discouraging to put time and effort in an individual's life and watch them grow and then somebody else come along and sow erroneous doctrines in their heart and you know what is going to happen to them. God does that for our fields. Not much we can do about it. Only just hold fast and realize, God, you didn't call me to grow the crop. <laughs> you didn't call me master and make it mature much. You called me, first of all, to sow it. The question is, this morning, is the seed yet in the barn? It's enough to make us want to plant no more crops. When we look out at all of these other things, it's enough to make us want to go to our homes it's enough to make us want to snuggle right real clear and ask for it no more in the house of God because there is a fearful thing, you know, that with good seed still comes tares. And that's the reason a lot of churches don't want to grow. It's because when it comes problems, when it comes individuals that life is not concerned, they're not going to change. And when it comes that, that friend with all of that, there comes something good out of that. God holds us responsible if we don't sow, if we don't take the seed out of our greenery. And when we look at all of these things, where it lands up on the ground, the fowls of the air comes, on stony ground, comes on ground of thorns and good ground, and then you plant a good crop and prepare and you work and toil. Somebody else comes and spreads uh, their ungodly things in their life, and you look at it and you wonder all my life, I've battled, I've worked, I've toiled, tried to get souls, and it's enough to just make us say, well, I don't want to plant any more crops. And we put the seed, the seed corn, wheat in our granary, and we just leave it there. And one of these days, if we're not careful, we can go out. The weevils maybe will have gotten in it. The rats maybe would have gotten in it. 
The first thing you know, that which could have produced something good sits there, unable to produce anything whatsoever. But on Judgment Day, when we stand before God, when we look Him in the face, we're going to be able to say, God, I did what you told me to do. I sowed the seed. I prepared the ground as best I could. Some of it just simply refused to be broken up. It refused to plow. But yet it was there and I sowed the seed anyway. Some of them just refused to let the thorn bushes be kept clear. I sowed it anyway. Some of them just simply refused to be watered, but I watered anyway. God, in some place, somewhere in our lives, if we'll continue to sow, we're going to see that in the midst of all this masses, we're going to see someplace, somewhere, some seed has sprouted on good ground. Even though the wheat and the tares are sowing in the same field, it, God makes it clear that some good wheat survives. And you look at this, you wonder again, what if the seed had been left in the greenery? And when I look out in closing at my own individual life, and you have to look at that, and I'm challenged more by that and this word, what if somebody, after all those years of struggle and praying, crying for the soul of this preacher's boy, what if they'd have said, I'm tired, I'll just leave my seed in the greenway. I won't sow it anymore. I wonder what would have happened to me. And I wonder what would have happened to you if you ceased to talk God, if you ceased to pray God, and if you ceased to live God. What's going to happen to you? What would have happened to you? And what's going to happen to individual lives that's looking to you for some guidance? Yes, we have the choice this morning. As always, we can leave the seed, which is the Word of God. The Bible identifies what it is. You can leave everything that I have ministered here for two years, and the other ministers have ministered longer than that. You can leave all of that in the greenery. You can just take it and store it up. And you hear that so often. Oh, I appreciate the Word of God, and I know you do. But that Word is no good if you just store it in your own grain and leave it there. It's to be taken and sown. Unproductive ground, some of it. But some of it, at least part of it. And when you look at that, it seemed to be a small part of the word that lighted on good ground. When you compare all the other ground and that which didn't produce, it seems such a small particle of good ground and even with that good ground and you couple those parables together, even with that good ground, tears is in there to disrupt and to destroy if they can at all. So look at our lives this morning and ask yourself the question, have I just simply looked out over the world and decided it's too much for me? Just decided, well, look at us. What are we, 50 or 60 people, and we're faced with a little village and a community here of several thousand individuals? Look at us. And we have witnessed, and this church has been here for years. We've prayed. We've agonized. 
we've sowed. Some have sprung forth. Some have come to an altar and immediately after God was introduced to them, that was all. Fowls of the air came along. Doctrinal things and all of this, uh, traditions, interfered and they were gone. Others sprang forth and it looked good. Oh, they just shouted the blessings of God and tore the house down. Then the sun came out. Wasn't too much good times anymore. The joy seemed to be gone. The, the gate was left open, so to speak. God looks down and says, Satan, you try them. The sun came hot and they withered. They didn't have any root. Then some did just fine for a long time. They grew good. Then thorns choked out. No production. Nothing whatsoever. And then out of the midst of all of these three, Some fell on good ground. And even with those that fell on good ground, uh, a third of that didn't even bring forth a hundredfold. Thirty, sixty, and a third of what little dab of that seed fell on good ground just brought forth a hundredfold. And in the midst of that was tears. It's enough to make us discouraged. It's enough to make us... Uh, get to all the bushes out of our own little territory and decide the best we can do is live our own life and forget about everybody else. It's enough to make us turn inward. But we can't do it. Because the same voice that talked through Haggai talks to us today. Hey, have you still got last year's seed in the barn? Have you not sown a crop? Regardless of everything out there that tempts to destroy it, you still have the duty to sow. That's our duty individually. That's our duty collectively as a church. I've been acquainted with this church for some years. I know your ups and downs. I know about that. I know your weaknesses. I know your strengths. I know that. And I know the fact that you sow and you prayed. I've seen results and then I've seen it die. question is, so what do we do? We just build our own house? We just snuggle and, and be satisfied with all we have? Or do we become so concerned about the house of God that lies waste? And about the ground that's uncultivated. Till finally we just get sick and tired of just trying to make ends meet for us because it's not happening anyway. We're having our problems anyway. The more toil we put in, the less we have. The more anxious we get. The more money we make, the more Uncle Sam gets. You want to feed him? Feed him. <laughs> All right. But sometimes it'd be good. We could turn some of that into the work for the Lord. Will you stand with me this morning? And would you ask yourself that question individually? Because God has given each one of us a little field. He's given this church a field of this community. I know that. And we need to recognize that. And as a unit, we do that. But He's given each one of us a little field. There's somebody, someplace you can reach that nobody else can. 
somebody, someplace where what you say and what you sow will make a difference. When all the preachers in the world with all the power and anointing that they had could never reach that soul, but you can. But you become so tired and so dismayed that you wonder, what's, what's the use? I've toiled, I've plowed, I've worked, I've cared. What has it gotten me? They're still out there. They're not concerned. Sow the seed. Bow our heads just a few moments, God.